Well, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Good to see you here. If you're visiting, we welcome you. I want you to feel right at home in the service, as the Lord will allow you to do so. I'm grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to come together and to be in the house of God. I'm thankful for it. And I thought about some of the things that were mentioned this morning in the Sunday school hour and some things that had been uh, working in my heart. I saw something where somebody had written about Sunday, and I never had thought about it that way before. And uh, the reality is Sunday, the day, is not a part of the weekend. It's the first day of the week. We live in a day where Sunday is treated like a part of the weekend. Time to do what we want to do and all of those things. In reality, it's the first day of the week and it belongs to the Lord. And uh, we talk about Easter and, and I'm all for that. Thank the Lord for that day that is set aside uh, that we publicly recognize. But the reality is every time we assemble together on the first day of the week, we recognize the fact that He got up. That's what the Scriptures say very early in the morning on the first day of the week. It's when Mary and those ladies went to the tomb and found out he was alive. And so the reason we're here this morning is because he's alive. And we owe to him. He is deserving of this first day of the week. Of course, it's a scriptural principle, the first fruits. And that's where we get our principle of tithes and offerings and, and all those things. They belong to God. And we honor him with that. And so we're here this morning, I hope, to honor him. And that's why we've come. Then we sang this morning, and I thought about it. I turned back over there. We were in Daniel chapter 2 last Sunday, and we sung this morning, He abides. And I'm glad He does abide with us. And I thought about it, come to my heart, while we were singing what those Chaldeans answered the king, said, There's none other except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And that was their opinion of their gods. Their God didn't deal, dwell with flesh. But I'm glad our God does. I'm glad He dwells in us and with us. He abides with us. So I'm grateful for that. We get saved. The Spirit of God moves up on the inside of us. That's how He fulfills that promise to us that He said He'd never leave us and never forsake us, go with us all the way, even the end of the world. And He fulfills that in the person of the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. And He's that one that guides us. That's what the Lord told the disciples. He said, I'm going away. And it's expedient for you or it's beneficial for you for me to go away. For He said, if I go not away, the Comforter won't come. But if I go away, I'll send Him unto you. And He said, He'll guide you and lead you into all truth and remind you of all things whatsoever I've said unto you. That's His job. He guides us and leads us. He's that one when we go to do something that He pulls back the reins on the inside or sends up the red flags or puts off the buzzer. I've heard it worded many different kinds of ways. It's all the work of the Spirit of God. And I'm glad for His dwelling in us. He's working on us, molding us and shaping us. The Scripture said it's the will of God to conform us to the image of Christ. And I'm glad that He's doing that in the work of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us. And I'm glad to be here and glad to see you here this morning. I know it's uh, uh, getting rough outside, some say, and it's uh, snowing, but it's wintertime. That's what it does around here. And uh, so let's not worry about that for a few minutes. Let's just get in and get what the Lord has for us this morning. Second Kings chapter 6, if you have a copy of the Word of God, 
and are willing and able to turn. Second Kings chapter number 6. We'll read some verses here and to try our best by the help of God to give you what's on our heart for the service this morning. If you'll pray for us, that the Lord will help us. I'm very much aware that I can't do anything without Him. I feel like Paul, someone, preacher friend, texted me this week and said, I love you, I'm praying for you. I said, thank you, I need prayer. I'm having trouble with the man in the mirror. And uh, that's the reality. And I feel like Paul, oh wretched man that I am. I'm glad one day he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm glad one day we're going to be delivered. We'll lay aside this sinful flesh, get a body like unto the Son of God. And I'm looking forward to that day. But I'm glad, and there is much to look forward to in that, but I'm also glad for the help of the Spirit of God while we live in the flesh that helps us mortify the deeds of the body with the affection and the lust and to live like Christ would have us to live in this life. I'm grateful there's the ability through Him, as was said this morning, it's impossible with men, but it is possible with God, and I'm glad for that. Second Kings chapter 6, let's stand together you're able and willing to do so out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Very familiar scripture that I'm going to read in your hearing this morning, and probably everybody here has heard it read and preached on. I've preached on it numerous times. I'm not sure that I've preached on it quite this way. The Lord dealt with my heart in this manner, and I want to try to give you what's on my heart if He'll help me this morning. 2 Kings 6, verse number 1, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan. Take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. One said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan... They cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. The man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore, said he, Take it up to thee, And he put out his hand and took it. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, we read these verses here in 2 Kings chapter 6. And as I've said already, I'm sure it's familiar scripture to all of us. We've all heard it read, preached on, taught on down through the years. And I've preached on it several times. But I think there's some things that a lot of times when we read this scripture, and uh, I'm not any man's judge, and I'm not up here this morning to correct anybody, especially not correct other preachers, but I think there's a lot of things that are misapplied and uh, maybe misrepresented a lot of times when we read this scripture. I've heard a lot of preachers preach about verse number one, about the sons of the prophets making the statement that the place was too straight for them and proceeded to preach about uh, the day that we live in and how people think that this narrow way or this straight way is too straight. And there might be application there, but that's nowhere near the context of the Scripture or what these sons of the prophets were saying. 
They had a desire to dwell with Elisha altogether. They were young men and were learning and being instructed by this prophet, by this man of God. And they were saying, there's not room here for all of us to dwell together with you. And so it's our desire to go somewhere else and to build a bigger place where all of us can dwell together. That we can have fellowship and communion and receive instruction from you, the man of God. It was very much known that the spirit of Elijah was on Elisha. Elisha had already began to perform miracles by this time and of course we know that he would perform twice as many miracles as Elijah did in his lifetime, one of them coming after his death and so these sons of the prophets their desire was to be around the man of God. I'll never forget there are several messages that left an impression on me but Brother Larry Neal preached a message on being around the man of God and that was their desire. I think in these days we've lost a sense, lost respect lost of the positional respect of the man of God in our day. It used to be a time that the people wanted to be around the man of God. They wanted their children to be around the man of God because there was an understanding not necessarily anything to do with the man but the position and the calling that God had placed on the man and the authority that God had given to the man and how that God worked through the man and that's why people wanted to be around the man of God. That's why these men wanted to be around the man of God. If they were saying something that was contrary to the scripture, I don't think that it would have been recorded for our understanding that Elisha goes along with it. Elisha respects their decision. He encourages what they're doing and not only that, he goes with them as they go to make a place where they all can dwell together. So I think it's important for us to understand in the context that what the sons of the prophets were doing was not wrong. It was not irresponsible. It was not against what God desired, but they were doing what they were doing with good intentions, right motives, and to be around the man of God. They were making progress, really. They were growing, if you'll have it. I, I remember the Lord did in my heart and maybe preached here. I'm pretty sure that I did on a desire to grow from this scripture. That's what they wanted. But with progress, there always seems to come problems. Because we live in the flesh. We battle the difficulties of this life. We have an adversary that is against us. Peter said he's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so with progress, spiritual progress, we always expect there to be some pushback and some problems. And so it was in this story. They go down to Jordan. The Bible said they begin to cut down wood to make this building, this dwelling place. And while one of them was cutting down wood, was the scriptures say while one was failing a beam, that the axe head came off and went into the water. And it's not, I want to make a clarification here. It's not that he lost it. When you lose something, you don't know where it's at. Elijah asked him where fell it and he knew exactly where it was. 
It wasn't that he had lost the axe head, but something had affected the handle. The head would not have changed. It had to have been the handle. Something affected, and now he's not in the same place now that he was at a previous time. The axe head has slipped off. And there's a whole lot of preaching that could be done there about the head representing Christ or the power of God and that in our church world today that much has changed and we've lost the power, we've lost the thrust and that without the head there could be no productivity. He could not cut down wood. He could beat against it all he wanted to. He could wound the bark, chip the bark away. But no product, product, uh, there would be no product and there would be nothing done nothing accomplished without the power that was in the head and I'm afraid in our day among the church world and I'm trying to get where I feel like maybe I need to be this morning in the scripture but I'm afraid in this day there's a whole lot of churches a whole lot of the people of God that are swinging a whole lot of handles and there's no head and there's no productivity there's nothing being produced there's nothing going forward there's nothing being accomplished there's a whole lot of numbers and a whole lot of man's success and a whole lot of gains and a whole lot of gimmicks but there's very little power among the people of God. And without the power of God, nothing real, nothing of any eternal value will ever be accomplished. Without the power of God, sinners cannot be saved. Without the power of God, the saints of God cannot get help. It is an impossibility for anybody to have any spiritual impact, betterment, help, strength, nourishment without the power of God. Preachers can't preach without the power of God. Singers really cannot, I mean, if we're going to get biblical and spiritual about it, you can't sing without the power of God. You can't pray without the power of God. The Word of God said we're to pray in the Holy Ghost. And so in order to really affectionately and fervently pray, we must have the power of God. See, we live in this day where we feel like it's a, a common misconception or misunderstanding that the power of God's just reserved for the preacher. Or it's just reserved for the preaching or for those who are in office of leadership over the church. And it is very essential and very necessary. It'd be an impossibility for any man to preach without the power of God. It's an impossibility for any man to do anything of any eternal value without the power of God. But it goes far beyond just the preaching and the pulpit. But all of the people of God need the power of God. And we need it every day. It's not a, it's not a Sunday only kind of thing to have the power of God. We don't put the head on the handle on Sunday and then take it off on Monday, though many people live their life like that's the way it is. But that's not how the Bible says that it's supposed to be. But I'm interested this morning in this son of the prophet that lost his axe head and then he got it back. I want to preach this morning on it can be recovered. It can, not can it be. I thought maybe that's what I ought to preach this morning. And the Lord got to do in my heart. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. I sat last night. It was my night to stay up with my grandmother. And I sat there in the chair and I had nothing. I tried to pray. I tried to read. I tried to study. And I don't study to preach. I hope you understand that. And I hope that doesn't come across wrong. But I don't study just to preach. But I try to study to learn and see the things that God wants me to see. And I'm not just going to try to drum up something because it sounds good. If God don't give me some direction, I just soon come in and just sing and pray and say, I ain't got nothing and let's go to the house. 
would be better off anyway. Uh, but I, I had nothing. I thought, Lord, tomorrow's Sunday. You're going to have to help me. And just all of a sudden, like that, it come in my heart about this scripture and what this man was going through. And I thought, well, I need to preach on how can it be. And Lord said, no, don't, don't preach on it that way like there's some doubt. He said to tell you this morning, it can be recovered. It can be. And it's not, I thought, to to preach this morning. Maybe we can recover what's been lost. And the Lord said it's not lost because we know where it's at. We know where we were. This son of the prophet knew exactly where he was, what he was doing when the head come off the handle. And he knew exactly where the head went into the water. Because Elisha said, where fell it? Where did it come off at? And he's probably said, I standing right there swinging like this. And the axe head fell right there. And the Bible said he cut down the stick and he threw it in the water and the iron did swim. It didn't just float to the top of the surface or the Bible would have said it floated. But the Bible said it swam. I think it come to the surface and made its way back to the brink of the river of Jordan. And Elisha said reach out and take it to yourself and he recovered what he had been without for that period of time. But he didn't lose it. He knew where it was. Now I'm preaching to some folks this morning. There's all kinds of types and pictures. And I understand that the head most of the time is a picture of the power of God. But I don't really feel like I need to preach that this morning. That's not really what's stirring in my heart. But I thought about all the circumstances and situations of our life that something in our life is missing that used to be there. And we know where we were. And when the head come off the handle, whatever that is to us this morning, we know we're without something something that we used to have and we know we're not what we ought to be or where we used to be without what we're missing on the inside and I'm not talking about losing your salvation but there's a whole lot of things in the scripture that we read about good men and good women all through the word of God that, that some things in their life wasn't lost to them they knew where it was they knew what had affected them they knew what had come off some things in their life that had went away that they wanted back again and it could be recovered for them. And I feel like I'm preaching to folks this morning that there's something in your life that you used to have and you need it to be recovered. Now see this son of the prophet had to make, uh, and there's great, uh, uh, there's so much to be, I can't even get it out this morning, of the way it's on my heart. There's so much to be taken and understood of the way he responded to the situation. The Bible said he was failing the beam and the axe head fell in the water. And when the axe head fell in the water, he didn't try to put the handle in his pocket. He didn't try to keep on swinging to look like everybody else and to act like everything was okay. And I'm afraid, and I'm going to put me at the top of the list, I'm afraid we become masters at coming in and acting like everything's okay and we keep swinging the handle. I'm not talking about living in sin. There ain't a thing this morning that I'm going to preach about about you living in sin. If it's sin that's caused you to lose something in your life or something to not be what it used to be, then you and God can work that out. God will make it known unto you I don't have to preach on it I'm just preaching this morning wherever you were and whatever was going on when it came off the handle you know and you understand and I know and I understand but we become masters and keep on swinging the handle and never say anything about the head being gone but he didn't do that he didn't put it in his pocket 
and go walk off somewhere behind the trees and hope nobody noticed that he was missing. He didn't keep swinging the handle and hope that nobody noticed that the head was gone. But the Bible said he cried and there's an exclamation point in the scripture. He didn't just holler a little bit, but deep down from the inside, he said, alas, master. And the word alas is where we get our word O, O-H with an exclamation, strong feeling. It's an interjection. It always is followed by an exclamation point. It's where we get our word O. And matter of fact, if you study a Strong's Concordance said it's a, it's a word that's cried from deep within when one is in pain and agony, not of body, but of spirit and of soul. Now here's a man that's swinging an axe and loses the head but he's going to cry like he's in agony of spirit and soul because the axe head's gone. He says, alas, master. He said, why'd he do that? Well, I got three things the Lord put on my heart. He cried that way because he was bothered. He was bothered that the power was gone. He was bothered that what was making productivity was gone. He was bothered that he was not as he used to be. I feel like this morning, I'm not preaching to folks that you are trying to deny things are wrong, trying to deny. I don't know what it is. If there's circumstances in your life, at work, at home, in the church, I don't know what it is. But I know the Lord's a debt with my heart very strongly. I've not tried to drum this up. It's just on my heart this morning. And you know who you are. You know what's going on. And I'm telling you this morning, you're bothered because you know that there's something in your life that was not, that is not there that used to be. But then I thought it goes beyond just being bothered. He's much more than just bothered. He's burdened. He's saying, Master, I can't do anything until I get it back. I can't be effective until I get it back. I can't be a help to others until I get it back. I can't work with my brothers until I get it back. I can't serve and help you until I get it back. He's burdened about it. And I wonder about it this morning, about in your life. Whatever it is that's seemingly wrong or going wrong or is missing or has come off or is not what it used to be, is it bothering you? I'm not trying to preach this morning to get you bothered. I feel like I'm preaching to folks who are already bothered and already burdened and you feel like it's affecting you. It's affecting you at home. It's affecting you at work. It's affecting you at church. It's affecting you when nobody else is around. You're burdened and you're bothered because something is missing that used to be there. And then he said, last of all, he said it wasn't mine to begin with. He said it was borrowed. Now I'd never ever thought about this before till the Lord got to deal with my heart. Now I just know one thing I know to do is preach it the way the Lord puts it on my heart. But I there's nothing recorded about who gave it to him. Nothing. And I've always, you know, how we are, human nature and human tendencies always put the blame on somebody that looks real obvious. And I've always preached like, well, what did he do? Uh, did he hit wrong? I mean, I don't know. There's probably plenty of you. I mean, we're mountain folks. Uh, probably about every one of you men's busted wood with a gold devil. And I don't know if you've ever swung and not hit with the head and hit with the handle and see how good it feels. 
I, I always thought, well, what, what was he doing wrong? He must have been hitting wrong, swinging wrong, doing what he ought not to do. But the Lord, the Holy Ghost got to work in my heart in the bed last night, and he said, wonder about that one that gave it to him. Wonder if he gave it to him loose. Wonder if when it was given to him, if it was given to him wobbly already on the handle. Now I thought, Lord, help us. Here we are again, and I know I preach about it a bunch, but it's on my heart a bunch. Here we are, and God's blessed us with a bunch of young people. Uh, God help us not to put a bad taste in their mouth. I thought about maybe it was. It ain't in here, but it ain't not in there. I'm not trying to add to the scripture, uh, but I wonder when it came off. If that young man, I don't know how old he was, don't know how young he was. The scriptures lead us to believe uh, that these were younger men in school under the man of God. If he thought, well, what, why did he give me it that way? Oh, why did he do me that way oh, why did he give me the worst why didn't he give me a good axe why didn't he give me one that would last God help us not to put a bitter taste in the mouths of the children for the things of God I thought about Brother Terry Pace and I think about him often. I just can't help him. I, I help it. I loved him. He was my hero and helped me a lot. And I thought about him preaching. I've heard him preach it on numerous occasions and it never did get old about bringing the fruit back from Canaan. And he said, we better be where he preached about them ten. They brought fruit back too. But their fruit didn't have the taste like Josh and Caleb's did because their report bruised the fruit. And I'm telling you, you ever been into an apple and it looked good on the outside but the inside that was bruised and brown and the first thing you do is spit it out I don't want children around here anybody that comes in children a young adult middle aged or old that come in the house of God around here and have to spit out what's being given because it has a bad taste to them we better be careful the way we handle our things of God around our kids. We better be careful how we handle relationships among the brethren. We better be careful about our unity. We better guard it. That's why David said it's good and pleasant. He said, behold it, look at it, take notice how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And so it, it was borrowed. It was borrowed. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I don't mean this mean. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. The reality was it didn't matter at the end of the day if, if it was the one who gave it to him or if it was him. The re- reality is the head come off and something had to be done about it. And I'm going to tell you this morning, in my life and in yours, it don't matter if we did it. It don't matter if somebody else did it. It don't matter what's going on around us. I know the world's getting bad. Now listen to me this morning. I'm just trying to preach what's on my heart. Oh, we blame the world and the days we're living in too much. I'm telling you, there's some things that are missing in our life and we know they are. It's bothering us and burdening us. I'm not trying to preach for you to be bothered. You're already bothered this morning. We need the help of God. He couldn't get it back. He needed the man of God, the power of God. It took a miracle for him to get it back and it'll do the same for us. We're not talking about something we can go pay money for. We're not talking about something we can go get from the store, go to Walmart or the grocery store, go on vacation. We're going to have to have a work of God in our heart and in our life to get back what's missing. And I don't know what it is this morning. I prayed and asked the Lord to guide my thoughts and to guide what I say this morning. I'm just going to take the Bible and tell you some things, some people in the Bible that was missing some things and they asked the Lord to help them get it back. Number one, I thought about, and I got maybe five things, I think. 
Number one, David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't say restore my salvation. He said, but the joy that I once had is not there anymore. And I need it back. David was bothered. Now I understand if we want to read it and take it in its context that David had sinned in the eyes of God. There were things David was going through that were direct consequences to his sin and that may be so in your life. But that's not how God's put it on my heart. We're just people. We live in the flesh. We mess up. We make mistakes. Things go awry. Circumstances and situations. We get hurt. We get offended. We get weary. We get weak. All them things play in. The fact that at times we some things go miss said in our life David said Lord I need you to restore unto me the joy of thy salvation he said Lord it's missing and it's a bother in me that it's missing and I need it back I wonder about you this morning do you need the Lord to restore unto you the joy of your salvation how long's it been since it's really bubbled up in you? I'm not talking about just coming to the house of God. I'm not just being in the assembly. Thank God for that. I'm glad for the desire and the want to in my heart, but I'm talking about on a daily basis in your personal walk with God. How long's it been since it bubbled up in you that you're a child of God? Did it used to do that way? See, I'm not preaching about things that you've never had before. It was not that this man never had a head on the handle. He had one. But something along the lines made it go missing and he wanted it back. And he was bothered and burdened and he cried, Alas, Master! Oh, Master! It's gone. And I need it to be recovered. I wonder about you this morning. Would you say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Then he prayed in the same chapter. And he said, renew a right spirit within me. Maybe that's what we need. Oh, I'm just being honest this morning. Oh, at the times that I just had to bow my head and say, oh Lord, I need a right spirit renewed within me. There have been times and you say, preacher, you ought not say, oh, I'm just being honest and God's working in my heart to say, there been times I've come through the door and didn't necessarily in my flesh want to be here, been tired and weak and weary and, and just wanted to stay. It's just natural. We live in the flesh. There's a battle, warfare and a struggle. We get weary in well-doing. I remember Brother Milby saying, I've never got tired of the way, but I've got tired in the way plenty of times. Now, I'm not tired of this way. I'm not tired of being a child of God. But I've been tired while being a child of God and while being a preacher. I mean, it's the greatest joy on the face of the earth to preach. I thought about me and my wife were talking last night and she said, I hate you're having to go. I said, there's a lot of mixed feelings. Lord willing, tomorrow I'll pack up and get in my truck and drive at a brunch for Alabama about seven miles to preach the gospel at a camp meeting. And there's a lot of mixed feelings. I don't want to go and leave my family behind but it's the greatest honor on this earth how to preach the word of God how to be called to preach how to be entrusted with this precious book how to feel the spirit of God moving in me but there have been times I didn't want to preach there have been times I didn't want to come there have been times I've walked behind the pulpit not wanting to be up here and I needed God to renew a right spirit within me and it doesn't happen because necessarily 
that we've been out in sin and wrong. It happens because we're flesh. It happens because we're made of dust. It happens because we're our fame. It's not perfect. He saved the inner man. But we still have this warfare with the outer man. And our flesh is like a roller coaster up and down and up and down. And we get weary and we get weak and we want to give up. But I'm glad there's something down on the inside that's stronger than the outside. And when something's missing on the inside, I'm glad there's a cry from down inside that's saying, Oh God, revive us again, renew us again, restore us again, and help us. Something's missing. As an exit on my heart, the, the scripture said, Will thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. And see, the reason we need revival is because we live in the flesh. We have to be saved. The revival, we have lost sight of it in our day. We've really lost sight of revival totally. Revival is not just a series of meetings that we come to the house of God and have three nights or five nights. You can't hardly even get nobody to come five nights anymore. Used to be they scheduled it for two weeks and that was in my lifetime. Now I'm 34 years old. If I live to September, I'll be 35. And even in my lifetime, I remember meetings that went well beyond four or five nights. But it's not in the number of nights. I know people that, that are falling out with revival's true meaning on both sides of the spectrums. I know people that are falling out and wanting to just have three nights and think that's all there is to it. And then I know people that want to fall out because somebody didn't have more than three or more than five. I've talked to other preachers up in Kentucky. They don't think you're having meeting unless you go at least two weeks. But I'm telling you, it ain't in the amount or the least amount of the night. That doesn't make revival. And revival's not in sinners getting saved either. Revival's not. Sinners being saved will be a byproduct of the church having revival. Revival's for the church. Revival's not for sinners. Sinners cannot experience revival. The, the prophet prayed, Will you not revive us again that thy people might rejoice in thee? I'm going to tell you, we need revival in these days. And the reason we need revival is because something's missing. We don't need revival when everything's going good. We need revival when we need more of Him. When we understand that something's missing, that the gap is widening, that we need to draw nigh again. And we might need to cry out this morning, O Lord, revive us again, that Thy people may rejoice in Thee. And I'm going to tell you something I have seen, or at least my impression has been, that there has been revival on collective levels, but revival is not a congregational work. Revival is an individual work. It might work its way through the congregation, but revival begins in every individual. And the reality behind that and the blessed thought is that we can't have revival whether anybody else does or not. We don't have to wait on everybody else to experience revival for us to have it. We can have it all by ourselves, just us and the Lord. If we want it this morning, maybe we need to cry, revive us again. Maybe we need to cry, restore the joy. Maybe we need to cry, renew a right spirit within me. Maybe this morning in my heart, as the Lord was speaking in my heart last night, it immediately went to Wednesday night, and I appreciate the Lord's help Wednesday night, but one of them verses that we read over, and we made mention of it at the beginning, Peter wasn't trying to convince anybody of anything. He was reminding them. And maybe this morning we just need to say, Lord, remind us of who you are and what you've done. Maybe we've lost sight of who He is. We're not coming this morning for anybody else but Him. 
Isaiah in his day had lost sight of who God was. And that's why we read the first five chapters. That's why they're written. I understand it was under the inspiration of God. But God let us have a first hand view at Isaiah before his visage of God and after his vision of God. And there's a vast difference in his attitude and his outlook before and after. Maybe this morning we just need the Lord to open our eyes to who He is again. We just need a good dose of reminding. Peter said, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And he said in the verse before that, I'm just writing to remind you, for ye yourselves know these things. Peter said, I'm not trying to convince you or tell you something you don't know. He said, I'm just reminding you of what you already do know. Maybe sometimes we just, I know sometimes we just need reminding of who God is and who, what He's done and who He is in our life and how He's faithful. And you say, preacher, I've not forgotten. I'm not saying that it's completely out of our consciousness. But sometimes we forget about how faithful that God is. We forget about how good that God is. We forget about, we lose sight of how gracious that He is and how merciful that He is. And maybe we just need to be reminded. Maybe we just need to be reminded. Maybe this morning we just need our, and I thought and I'm done, as far as I know I'm done. Maybe this morning we just need our sight renewed. I thought about that blind man at Bethsaida. Jesus touched his eyes. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees. And the only reason he could explain the fact that he saw men as trees is there was a time in his life that he had saw a tree. But something happened between that time and this time and he could no longer see now like he used to could. And I'm going to tell you in these days the scripture is still true that where there's no vision the people perish. It was the, it was the main problem behind the Laodicean church age is they could not see. They saw that they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. And Christ said, you don't see as I see that you're blind and wretched and miserable and poor and naked. He said, I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. Not see the way they were seeing, but see the way God wanted them to see. See the way that apparently they had saw in days gone by in the ages before. Lord, help us in these days to see as we've saw in days gone by. I wonder how long it's been, and I'm just going to close with this and I'm done. I wonder how long it's been since we really saw sinners dying without God and going to hell. I wonder how long it's been since we really saw our brothers or our sisters in need and hurting. I wonder how long it's been since we saw the need of our own heart, the need of our own life. We were having a conversation with one of our kids. I don't even remember which one it was. And we were trying to use biblical principles. We got over there where Jesus said, you can can see the moat in your brother's eye, but you can't see the beam that's in your own. And I'm afraid, and we were trying to relay that to her and get her to understand and I'm telling you, while we was trying to get her to understand, the Lord smoked my heart. And He said, that's the way it is with you. And I'm afraid that's the way it is with all of us. We're really quick to see the little things that everybody else has got. 
and the problem. And I, I'm not preaching mean this morning. I'm preaching to help you. That's what's on my heart. I want to help you. I wonder when the last time I saw me for who I... That's what happened to Isaiah. He didn't just see the Lord. He saw the Lord first and in seeing the Lord, then he saw his self. And if you ever get a good vision of God, it'll give you a real good vision of you. And, a lot, and Isaiah said, Whoa, it's me. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple and the doors of the post moved at the voice of Him. And then He said, I cried, Woe is me for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah acknowledged the problems of his people but not before he acknowledged his own. And his own problems he magnified far greater than the problems of his people. He said, I'm undone and unclean lips. He said, my people have unclean lips. I'm going to tell you what we need in this day. I'm preaching to folks this morning. I know beyond shadow of doubt because of what the Lord's put in my heart. I'm preaching to folks this morning that you're bothered and burdened by something that's been affected in you. I don't know if it's work related, if it's job related, if it's home related, family related, church. I don't know what it is, but God knows and you know. And it's left you bothered and burdened. And you're standing here this morning, sitting there this morning. And he's standing by just like Elisha was saying, where fell it? And you're saying, Lord, it's right there. And he's going to do the work for you this morning to make it swim and recover it for you. Not, I don't feel the need this morning to say if you want it, because I believe I'm preaching to folks that God's already dealt with your heart and you already are at the place where it's bothered you and burdened you and you need some help from God. You can't fix it. You've tried to fix it. There's no way to fix it. You're going to have to have a work of God. And it's not that you're coming this morning to try to talk God in to helping you. God's come this morning because He wants to help you (coughs) and to let you know that it can be recovered. Whatever it is. Joy, right spirit, vision, revival, whatever was once there that ain't there, it can be recovered this morning. The Lord can do the work. He can help you this morning. He wants to help you. He stands ready to help you. You're just going to have to be honest with Him. Say, alas, Master, I need some help. Let's all stand this morning. I'm done. God spoke to your heart. I believe.